0: See, I'm not kidding. This is a biggie. This is a big one. This is a big thing. In Christianity, how do we live outside of ourselves and actually see the people? So I'd ask the question, you know, the biblical view of others. Well, how do I view others? And maybe the secondary question is, do I view others? Am I just wrapped around my own life all the time so much that I'm not seeing other people the way that God would have me see. Now I've shared this with a number of people, maybe shared it with you before. <clears throat> how many of you like it when God answers your prayers? I mean, hold on, hold on, I gotta say this right. See, hey, I believe God answers your prayers all the time. How do you how many of you like it when God answers them with an affirmative yes? Okay, now, now that's another kind of a weird thing because I don't want you to think that prayer is just asking God for stuff. Prayer is, is getting to know God. Prayer is being intimate with God. Prayer is talking to God about your life. Prayer is sometimes, though, in, prayer is worshiping God and honoring God for who He is. Sometimes, though, it is asking, right? I, I like the acts. How many of you have heard the acts thing? Acts in your prayer life. Uh, uh, adoration, right? Confession. Thanksgiving supplication acts A C T S. It's a great way to structure your prayer life. Adoration of God, giving Him all the praise. You know, confession. God, I need to come with you and let's let's just square up accounts. Um, thanks, thanksgiving, and then supplication is the last one, which is asking for God for stuff for other people, stuff for yourself. Okay. So, how many of you in the supplication part like it when God answers it with an affirmative yes? Okay. I'm going to give you two that God will always answer yes, but then you have to say, oh, man, really? How, maybe I should quit praying that. Two things I would pray, and God always said yes. One, <clears throat> can you help me see other people the way you see them? Two, will you bring somebody into my life that needs to hear about Jesus? <clears throat> you didn't hear the first one? No. Help me see others the way you see them. God has always answered that in the affirmative for me. And then I have to actually get off my rear end and do something. That's the scary part. So this is a big one. You know, this is a big one because we get into the salvation process and, and, and okay, I'm a sinner. And I see my sin, and the Holy Spirit is working in my heart, and I understand that I need to be saved, and, and, and I hear the word of the gospel, and I accepted it, and I asked Jesus into my heart, and I'm reading the Bible, and I'm finding out all the wonderful things God's going to do for me. And, so, and it's great, isn't it? God's going to do all those wonderful things that He says in His word. He's he's got an inheritance for me that can never spoil or fade, that's kept for me in heaven by supernatural means of God so that I will never lose it. And he's got all these wonderful things, how he's going to come in and inhabit my life and help change me. And we get to thinking, even as Christians... This is kind of all about me, isn't it? My Christian walk. It's kind of all about me and God fixing me and God changing my world and God making more pleasant for me. But the upside down version of of God's plan is, no, no, no. I'm going to save you so that you can love and serve others. (laughs) Oh, that's, that's clearly not about me. And then you find out when you do it, that you're even more blessed than you could imagine when you were just thinking about yourself all the time. That's the, that's the upside-down paradox of the kingdom of God, that those who would be servants would be exalted, and those who would exalt themselves would be lowered. And so it doesn't work in real life, God. It doesn't work in real life. That sounds good in the Bible. It doesn't really work in real life. How can I not take care of myself and, and, and then be taken care of? doesn't make any sense. I'm going to say you're absolutely right. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. Somewhere, here's a clicker with my name on it. Here we go. Because <laughs> we aren't going to stay on just this one slide the whole time, but a lot of the time. Okay, so if I'm consistently <clears throat> thinking about others, how do I make sure I get mine? Pretty easy to go into that mode. In fact, I'm gonna say it's it's probably it, we we are hardwired to think about ourselves. And 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 <clears throat> it's not even necessarily intentional. It's 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 subconsciously we just slip into it. Because that's the way we're selfishly made. When, and when we're broken, and we're still a little bit broken, by oh go, God's fixing us, but we're still broken. And and the default Re- response to life is, you need to be looking out for yourself. Okay. And so, uh, even when I just kind of, I'll say, it, spiritually shift myself into neutral, and I'm not really thinking, yeah, yeah, I, I'm not, I, God, I don't want anything to do with you. No, 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 I love God and everything. But, but when I shift myself into neutral, and I'm not, it's a big word for me, intentional. If I'm not intentional, I slip into the, hmm, what do I want? What do I need? Hmm. What would I like to do? Uh, what's important to me today? And we lose the vision that God has for us to view other people. Okay. So this one is, a, is huge. <clears throat> now, there's a lot of different ways. I've got to move this back a little bit. All right. There's a lot of different ways we might... Take a self-evaluation of our Christian maturity, right? Take the little Christian dipstick in there and go, "Mm -hmm. let's see, oh, I'm a couple chords low. (laughs) How do you view others? Because what Jesus said is, by this they will know that you belong to me, that you love one another. Now we're going to talk about this in a minute, but um, what's the one another part? It's easier with you people. I love you. I know you. You're my church family. You are actually my family. I love you. But then we we talked about the 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 good Samaritan and and the dude that asked Jesus. Well, you know, Jesus said, "Hey, what are the best two greatest commandments?" Well, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love Je- your neighbor as yourself. He says, "Well, yeah." That's part of it, right? So, so, but the guy is like, okay, I need out of this. Okay, who's my neighbor? And tell me it's just my family. No, let me tell you a story, and I'm going to pick a guy to be your neighbor that you would normally hate, and he's going to need you badly. Okay, so that's the the Jew and the Samaritan. The Samaritan were off limits, bad. Eh. Down here, we're up here. Don't even go by you. We we go around you, the land that you live in. We have nothing to do with you. If I'm caught with one of you, I'm going to get thrown out of the you know the Jewish people that they know d- no Samaritans. Boo! Cancel culture. Well, I'm going to pick that guy, and I'm going to tell you the story about that's your neighbor. Now, to us, it didn't really make a lot of sense. Okay, Samaritan, good Samaritan. In fact, we think good Samaritan, it's great, that's, you know, it's the good Sam club and all that. You didn't realize then that Jesus selected an enemy to point out, when I'm saying love one another and love your neighbor as yourself, it's not the people that are easy to love. How do I see other human beings? Okay. This is so important. It's so important if we're going to really do what God's asked us to do—to build the kingdom of God—to be in His, a tool in His hands—to build the kingdom of God. Well, this morning in Sunday school, it was really cool. Know, have you ever heard the story about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch? Yeah, we heard that one. You know, Philip was one of the deacons that were brought in because the the the, the The Greek Jews' widows weren't being taken care of when they were living this communal thing on the kibbutz there and and were all kind of... Cashing in our stuff and giving it to the apostles, and everybody's going to get taken care of, and we live in this in a commune. And oh, but this group over here—they're the the Greeks or the Hellenistic Jews, and and their people aren't really being getting an equal share. So okay, we're going to put some people in charge of that. And it, one was Philip, and and one was Stephen. and Stephen became the first martyr, um, and literally saw heavens open up and saw God. I mean, it just they were amazing individuals. So Pete or, or Philip was the other one, and you know, instead of being deacons. God says, I'm going to use you as an evangelist, and he sends him out, but it says, we, we learned this morning, an angel of God said, hey, I want you to go here, and when he got there, the Holy Spirit said, and go talk to that guy. So I said, being a smart aleck that I am, well, it seemed to me like the point of this lesson is you don't have to evangelize unless you hear it from an angel. No. So we look at those kind of instances and we think, well, I'm, I'm good. You know, when God actually taps me on the shoulder and says, yeah, go talk to that person, I might do that. But when Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, it's very clear. No, no, no. That's not enough. Not enough to just love the people I, that, that I specifically tell you or oh, I need you to love everyone. So... How would the world, slash sometimes us, see other people? And I'm not, you know, gosh, I wish, well, maybe I'm not, that as I went through this, this particular description, when it starts to hit home that God would force you to raise your hand and acknowledge it. But Let's just say internally, because I don't really want to know. But here's how the world generally looks at others. And I think it's pretty accurate. <clears throat> family and good friends. I might love you. You know, I could. <clears throat> but that love could be broken if, if I'm not treated properly. But, but pretty much, if you really want to be loved by me, you better be in that category. Family or really good friend. That's the way most people are. You know, hopefully your spouse. You know, family. Family but but guess what you know if if i'm not really treated right meh, i got to reevaluate friends acquaintances coworkers buddies people that share the same hobby yeah i might like you maybe love you if 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 i get a, a favorable enough um, response from you over time I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, but um, mostly it's based on the positive behavior that you exhibit towards me. Then maybe I'll like you. Mm, Probably not love you, but at least I'll like you. Also based on performance. Okay, I've met you, I've heard of you, but I don't really know you. Well, I might have a favorable opinion of you if... I hear good enough things, but the jury's still out, and I have no real commitment to you, and I might invest in you if I see that there's a return for me. Strangers. Don't care. Might be attracted or put off by your appearance and some of your behaviors, but basically, I have a very shallow evaluation of you, and I'll help you or like you or be involved with you if it's convenient for me, but mostly I'm just oblivious. Strangers. That's why you're a stranger. I don't care. Enemies, forget it, you're out. <laughs> not only do I not like you, but I probably hate you. Family and friends stand a decent chance maybe of getting some love. Everybody else is pretty much down the list somewhere. And then enemies, come on, God, be real. <laughs> and then we how, how, how do we evaluate how do we evaluate people right? how, how do we look at people? You can either help me or hurt me you're neutral or you're in my way. You stand between me and what I want or I'm just totally not interested. you walk out <clears throat> I'll just use this I mean I... I don't know why. What what is it about dollar stores and me? Standing in line at a dollar store, I can always see somebody that needs to be talked to. Um, but let's just say we walk into the dollar store and they're all strangers. I don't know any of them. I just, you know, pretty much I just like to get in, get the stuff I need, and get out. And and don't bug me. In fact, could I please this thing? Could I please just do self checkout so I don't have to talk to anybody? Or how about a drive-thru is even better. Then I have to get out of my car and talk to you. And and can I just enter the, the, the order that I have myself without actually having to talk to another human being? Because, frankly, you just annoy me. Because we have our own thing. We have our own thing going. Let me tell you something. That is absolutely counter to what God says about others. How many of you would agree so far that's pretty much how the world looks at other people? Okay. Yeah. That's why this is so huge in Christianity. We're gonna, we're gonna see this verse later, but say, hey, hey, be ready to g- be, pre- be prepared to give an answer to those who ask you about the hope you have. <laughs> why are they gonna ask? because of how you see and treat others. Frankly, they probably just don't care if you're a little Christian goody-goody in your own little world and you you read the Bible on your breaks at work. You know, how do you treat others? How do you treat me? If you're treating others in a way that doesn't make sense, sacrificially loving and serving them, I might want to know what made you such a weirdo. Because I can spout Scripture all day long and read my Bible and and wear my little cross, and if I don't treat others the way God treats people, they're probably just going to say there's another one of those sanctimonious, self-righteous Christians. This is huge. And it is an unbelievable indicator of where you are in your walk with Jesus. You think that maybe the Bible has some things to say? Well, it does. I tried to keep this to a minimum because I could have gone on. So I'm going to give you, I, I just want to tell you up front, <clears throat> these are nowhere near an exhaustive. I, I only have three. Three for each one of these points, or actually two on the last one. I'm going to do a little bit of explaining, but. I just want you to know going in, there's tons of Scripture that tell us how we're to view other people. First point, other people have value and worth because they're human beings created in the image of God and they have an eternal soul. Chris, last week, such a great message, he said... God, in his creative ability, focused on people. It was the people that mattered, not the earth and the atmosphere and the universe. They were all good, but they were there to support the thing that God created in his own image for intimate relationship with him and others. It's people that matter to God, and they have value. This is, this, is a, this is a hard one for us. Because most of the time, you only have value to me when you can help me. Or, hey, you're not a believer. Or maybe you're really mean. Or maybe you're, you're anti-Christian and you're fighting against God. Nonetheless... You were born in the image of God, you were created in the image of God, and they have an eternal soul. When I ask God, God, would you help me see people the way you see them? And this is the response I get. There's only two kinds of people, Tim, those that know Jesus and those that need to. And so I run in and I told this, I don't, I don't want to keep telling the same stories all the time, but, but I'll, I'll just say, I have ran, run into people who are so far you would think, oh, forget it. <laughs> that person's never going to respond. And God says to me, no, nope, that one. Okay. Because I know this. They're human beings created in the image of God and they have an eternal soul. And if they don't know Jesus, they're going to hell. It says this in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16, "'For you formed my inward parts. "'You knitted me together in my mother's womb. "'I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. "'Wonderful are your works.'" My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. You saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. What this is telling us is God formed people in the womb, knowing them, and also knowing which ones were going to be his and which ones weren't. But nonetheless, they were formed in the image of God, made in secret, infinitely woven. It's, I don't know how you can look at a newborn baby and not see the miracle of life and the hope that is there. And sometimes they grow up in their mean, and they don't accept Christ, and, and, and they're going down the wide path. And that's not up to me. What it's up to me is to say, I recognize you as a human being and you have value and you have worth. So when it comes to abortion or when it comes to war or when it comes to abuse, every single person is deserving of love from you regardless of who they are. Because God created them in His image. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 said, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. This is not a sermon about identity, but we could talk about that for a while. God created them, male and female. We don't get to change that. It's God's prerogative. He created it. I said, look, I created you. You're either this or you're this. And you have value because I made you in my image for the reason of intimate relationship. Every human being you run across, no matter who they are, what they look like, what they've done, how they act, how dirty they are, how sinful they are, deserves your love and attention because they were created by God. And just as it is appointed once for man to die, and after that comes judgment. So Why did I throw this one in? Because you need to look at people and say, I know you have an eternal soul, and because I know and God has revealed to me the truth in His Word, I know that there are only two outcomes that are available because there's going to come a time when all men are going to die, and when they die, they're going to face judgment, and the only thing you have to hold on to when you die is to say, not me, God, but that Jesus up there is covered me up and so we have to have a heart for the lost people because this is real it's more than this life people are going to face an eternity without God, without Jesus when we look at people we should say you're either washed in the blood of the Lamb or I'd sure like to invite you into the family in order to do that I need to see you I need to get to know you And I need to love you. And I need to share the hope that I have. We have value and worth because we're created in God's image. And we have an eternal soul that needs Jesus. Okay. Two, I can have love for you no matter what. Whether you're family or a friend or an acquaintance or a stranger or even an enemy because of God. This is the biblical worldview of how we view others. I can have love for you. I don't even have to know you. I said that to people, and it really freaks them out. I said, this is what I said. I shared it with people before. I said, uh, I love you. Well, hold it. You don't even know me. doesn't matter. There's only one requirement. Are you a human? Yeah. Then I love you. Well, how can you do that? Well, because God gave me that love for people. That's the only way. I don't even have to know you anymore. The Holy Spirit says I can love everyone, and I don't have to know them. I certainly don't have to like them, but I can love them. Okay. That's a God thing, people. It doesn't come from you. It's impossible for you and me. Okay. So this is what he says. This is my commandment in John 15, 12, that you love one another as I have loved you. Matthew twenty five 22, 37 through 39, he said this to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and this is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, two times he tells us, love one another, mm, let's spread it out, love everyone, your neighbor, talked about the neighbor thing already, I hate this one, God, why don't you do this? And you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor your, and hate your enemy. Yeah, I, I, I'm on board with that one hold on. Oh, oh, but I say to you, love your enemies. Okay. I got to love my, love, love everybody, which yeah, I'm pretty much the people I already know. Uh, love your neighbor. Okay. I'm moving outside my circle, but really, come on. No. Okay. So what do I know? What do I know about God? Does he ever command me to do something that he doesn't give me the capability of doing through the Holy Spirit? Yes? No. No. He never says, I need you to do this knowing you're just going to choke on it. Oh, yeah, because I'm going to make fun of you later. No, God does not do that. So when I see God saying, love one another, oh, listen, my little bless me group. No, love your neighbor. People you don't even know. And then love your enemy. No. You can do that. Here's the deal, Tim. I put myself in there, inside you. Called the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And here's what he brought. Love, agape love. Hmm. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. Well, let's start with number one. Agape love. I, in fact, have an unlimited supply of agape love that is welled up inside of you. I would like to, for you to distribute it. And, in fact, I can refill you faster than you can get rid of it. So, yes, indeed, you can love others. You can love strangers. And you can love your enemies. Hmm. So what's my excuse? Okay, third point, we are supposed to be seeking ways to meet them, get to know them, love them, serve them, and share the hope of the gospel with them. How am I supposed to view others as potential love targets? That's it, that's it. How can I get to know you so I can serve you, love you, and share the gospel with you? Uh, that's pretty much my goal with every human being that God puts in front of me. Now, does that mean that I have an unlimited amount of time that all, that's all I can know. No. But, but I, I know each one of us, God has placed in our lives, that's when you say that second prayer, God, would you just bring people into my life that need to hear about Jesus? And He always, always will, always did I always say yes and do it? No. But I don't need, this, is, this is not something I have to go on an evangelism trip to do. I just have to live my life with my eyes open. And God trots them by on a constant basis. <laughs> uh, whatever that might be. Some guy comes out, and he's trying to load something into the back of his truck across the street from me, And, and God says, no, you need to go help him. And so I go over, and I help him, and I get to talk to him about Jesus and say, yes, here, I am doing this because I love you. The possibilities are endless. If we see people the way God sees them, as people who just need love, and they need to hear the gospel. Now, do I get to determine the outcomes? I don't mind loving people, but by golly, they better receive it with joy and thankfulness. No, that's not going to happen. Sometimes they're angry at God. They're angry at life. They're angry at you because you're a Christian, and they're not going to be nice. Oh, well, then they get to be exempted from the group. Nope. Because they aren't rejecting you. They're rejecting something else. And God says, you're a seed planter, and I'm going to scatter you out there everywhere you go. Don't worry about the harvest. Don't worry about the the result. I'll take care of that. You just love them. I'll save them. Philippians chapter 2 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. This is a very small slice, but it's obvious. Do nothing. How much of that is eliminated? Uh, every once in a while, don't do stuff out of selfish ambition. Uh, but sometimes it's okay. In fact, most of the time it's okay. But every once in a while, could you just put that to the side? Hmm. Do nothing. From selfish ambition in a, or vain conceit or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So I don't get I don't get taken out of the equation totally, but there's a way I'm supposed to be operating according to the biblical worldview, in regards to other people. Instead of me. In you, it's. You come first. You think that might get people's attention? It does. And here is the wonderful, supernatural, incredible thing about Jesus' upside down kingdom it's the place where joy lives. It doesn't make any sense. It's counterintuitive. It's countercultural. It, it, it seems like, how in the world can I actually get satisfied by just worrying about other people all the time? So you think, oh, man, what a, oh, God, I'm willing to make this unbelievable sacrifice to serve others. I know my life will be miserable, but that's okay. You're going to love me anyway. And then you start doing it and you find out, oh, this is doesn't make any sense try it you'll find out it's true when we are lined up with the way God has us to live as a Christian life can be a wonderful place it's hard still still hard but when we do it God's way somehow amazingly it works out different how do we see others it has to be intentional. And it has to be the way God sees them. And how are we going to treat them? How are we going to react to them? How are we going to see them? How are we going to respond to others? Is an amazing act of a miracle in your life when you do it God's way. And then finally... But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. God has given us a command to honor Jesus as Lord and holy. Honoring Him by sharing the hope that you have. This unbelievable gift of grace that God has given you. And you get to share it with others. That is the ultimate act of love and sacrifice. We can serve Him. We can love Him. We can do things for Him. But if we don't share the most valuable thing... God's saying, you know, if you really want to show love, and you really want to honor me, then then be ready. Be ready. I'll bring the opportunities. You just be ready when people ask. But they're only going to ask when you're actually demonstrating self-sacrificial love to others, and it will attract attention. And you'll also be taken advantage of, let me tell you that right now. There are a lot of people who will take advantage of people who, hey, man, you're willing to serve me (laughs) Bring it on! Uh, I'll have more of that. Guess what? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I learned that a long time ago, and I just said, God, I I don't care. I, I'm going to be the the biggest sucker there is, and people can t- take advantage of me. And I know I'm supposed to be prudent. I'm supposed to you know use my resources, and not throw them away, not throw pearls to swine, and all that. But if there's a chance, I'm going to do it. And, and okay, a lot of times it's going to you know just like. You know, I don't want to get into, how, how, how often do I give the person that's standing on the street corner money? Almost never. I, I've gotten out, talked to them, offered to buy him lunch and that kind of thing. But I'm not stupid. I know that, you know, I'm not going to try to enable their bad, bad um, behavior. But <clears throat> the point is, there's been times, and God says, no, I want you to help. Okay, here, here you go, I'm going to help you. Well, well, what if they take that money then and do something? Hey, that ain't up to me. God God led me to do it, and so I did it. That's, that's it. I'm done. I know that at times you're going to be taken advantage of, but we don't own the outcomes, people. God just says love them, and he'll save them. Now, the, the, there are those scriptures about, you know, being prudent and all that, so I recognize that God says, "Have some discernment," and we try to do that here as a church. When people call up, and we get and you know, you ask, "D.D., how many people call up asking for money?" A lot, yeah. And we have a process we go through and we pray about it, because we're not just handing out your money to anybody that comes by, because we recognize that some people are legitimately out there taking advantage. But we are praying about it because we absolutely do want to help people, but but it has to be help. How do we see others? Okay, so I mean, you're gonna, you might ask me, how, how, okay, how? How do we make this happen? Okay, we first, number one, I told you already, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The capability to do it is already there. God would never have commanded it if he wouldn't have made it possible. Two, I have to have confidence that God's going to supply my needs, and he will. God, I figure this. God, you got my back to free me up, to love other people and serve them. That's it. And I have total confidence, total confidence that God has got my back, and I don't need to worry about it. He just says, you go out and do the battle. I got your back back here. Don't worry. And it takes some faith to live outside yourself because everything in your, 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 yourself, everything in the world, everything in your culture is telling you, don't do that, you idiot. But in faith, I'm going to trust God and trust His Word that says, you do it my way. It's all going to work out. You have to ask for faith. This is a step of faith. When you say, I'm going to live outside myself and serve and love others sacrificially, that is an act of faith because it's not going to seem right. And you can't evaluate it based on results. I love them. Oh, I went over and mowed this guy's yard, and he was still mean to me when I came back. Oh, that was, that was a mistake. No, it wasn't. So it's, a, it's an act of faith. It's an act of obedience. And it's an act of supernatural working in your life by the Holy Spirit. Back, I go back to my other word that I use all the time. Some are probably sick of it. Intentionality. If you aren't intentional, if you aren't thinking about it, if you aren't praying about it, if you aren't asking God for all the opportunities, it is very easy to get enmeshed with the mirror in front of your face. And it isn't even intentional necessarily. That's just how we are. Now, it's time to go. I am so proud. We talked about this. We had our meeting yesterday and... And, you know, you are the most loving group of people I have ever known. But I think we can be better. All right? Faith, Holy Spirit, and confidence that God has your back. Let's pray. Um, Lord, uh, this is a hard one. You You know this is a hard one for me. It's a hard one for all of us. And yet there it is right in your word that you're saying, no, 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 you're going to love people, you're going to put other people first. And that is going to be one of the prime factors that tell people that you belong to me. So we need that, Lord. We need to be doing it all the time and we need to be doing it intentionally. So, Lord, we just ask that your Holy Spirit just convicts us, convicts us about this message that we will go every morning and wake up and say, God, today it's all about you. Bring me people and I'll love them. Lord, we just, we just, we need your help on every, every aspect of that. Every single aspect of that goes against our grain. And we need your help. So, Lord, we just pray that you'll work like that in every one of us so that we can demonstrate your love in a tangible way to the people you put around us, share the hope we have. And you'll bring in the harvest. We just thank and praise you, Lord, and how you're going to answer this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.